0: are listening to the Lit & Lucid Podcast, brought to you by Yuhu Brand. Here's your host, Lucy and Jared.
1: Welcome everybody to another episode of the Lit & Lucid Podcast. We're here recording live in the studios with our good friend Mark Ross from Needle Consultants. What's up, Mark?
2: Hey, how's it
0: going? What's going on? Glad to have you on. Thanks for having me. I'm pleased to be here on
1: the show. (laughs) Sure. Cool. So Mark is the chief instigator with needle consultants. He has over 25 years experience in the public, private and nonprofit sectors. He was a litigator for the State Department of Environmental Protection litigating cases at the state and federal level for over 25 years. And then in the last 15 years, he's focused on the nonprofit sector and small businesses, consulting them on issues of sustainability and corporate responsibility. Most recently, he's kind of focused on uh, more of the private sector, focusing on helping businesses do good in the world. So we're gonna learn a little bit more about that essence of what doing good in this world means. Uh, that's more formally called Corporate Social Responsibility, CSR. So that's a buzzword that some people might start hearing kind of flying around here now, nowadays. Uh, it's a little bit nuanced of an idea, but I think we're going to learn a little bit more about CSR and kind of how it is incorporated into the cannabis industry today. And then I know he also has a pretty strong background on sustainability, so I think we'll probably touch base on that as well.
2: Great. Sounds, sounds awesome.
1: Perfect. <laughs>
2: <laughs> sounds like you, Mark.
1: <laughs> sounds like Mark. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. One thing I would, I would just correct is uh, I was a litigator for uh, the first uh, five years of my life, environmental litigator uh, with the state and then with a large law firm. And then I went in-house to a large company where I was in-house counsel, uh, environmental counsel to a large company before exiting and going into the nonprofit sector. <laughs> So. Well,
1: maybe, uh, maybe explain to you know, the audience why you did make that shift. You went from moving, you know, like a corporate attorney, mm-hmm. now you're moving on to doing your own thing, small businesses, uh, private sector. What made you change?
2: Well, um, yeah, really, the short answer is 9-11 happened, and I wanted to make a b- bigger impact in the world. And I'd already been thinking about creating a nonprofit uh, environmental group that worked with the music industry. And so I did that. I had the idea in two thousand one and we formalized everything and I went full bore, full time into that in two thousand four, uh, with an environmental advocacy organization called Rock the Earth that in essence um uh sued polluters in the government on behalf of rock stars and educated and activated music fans around the country with some of the biggest bands in rock and roll. Um and so I was using my legal skills and my community organizing skills and making an impact on the world and uh, and that was important for, uh, it's still important for quite some time though. Uh, Four years ago, uh, I went through a life change and decided I wanted to go back to the private sector and I wanted to take this really rich nonprofit experience of community organizing uh, and community engagement and philanthropy and go back to the private sector and really pivot my career into corporate social responsibility uh, and away from a traditional legal career. And so that's what I did. Uh, As I was meeting with various corporate social responsibility uh, officers around the front range, I met with two key people. One, uh, the person that built and runs the largest corporate social responsibility. Well, the company, the largest company in Colorado that has a corporate social responsibility program. And uh, a week later, I met with the sustainability director for Mayor Hancock. And both of them in those meetings had suggested I take a look at cannabis. Uh, that no one was really working on areas around corporate responsibility, uh, and those areas being community engagement, employee engagement, sustainability, and strategic philanthropy. And so I started to network my way into the cannabis space, and here I am now with Lit Lucid <laughs> talking about corporate responsibility. That's awesome. I mean, when? Was, let's backtrack. So
0: when was that? Was that recent, or I mean, how long have you been in, in you know CSR within the cannabis industry now?
2: I've been knocking at the door and chipping away since 2016, so go. Uh, coming up on three years now, and um, it's certainly been a challenge. There's certainly some barriers to entry with regard to the cannabis industry overall, but especially with regard to corporate social responsibility. So what are you seeing? I mean,
0: so you, you've been doing it since 2016, so viewers in Colorado, just so you know, that's right around the time that uh, recreational cannabis, retail cannabis was legalized, and and brought about to uh, the public, so basically, right at the start of companies being able to legally sell to customers, um, and just now starting those businesses up. So, what did you see in 2016? Was it uh, was it like really experienced business professionals coming in and starting these businesses, or how did they did they
2: know anything about you know corporate social responsibility or what you're talking about? Yeah, you know, those early conversations in 2016 were challenging, uh, even with. CEOs and executives that had been operating cannabis businesses since medical. Uh, You know, there were a few, uh, there were a couple drivers that were really uh, the only drivers in corporate responsibility for those companies back then. Uh, One was uh, competitive licensing,
1: Hmm.
2: uh, especially in states that were coming online outside of Colorado, uh, where uh, part of the competitive licensing Uh, requirements were that they have a community engagement program and the City of Denver has that as well. And so that was forcing companies to start take a look to take a look at who their neighbors were, who the community leaders were and to interface with their community leaders. Um, So that was one driver. The other driver uh, were frankly there were some conscious leaders in the cannabis space that wanted to give back. They didn't know how, they didn't know how to do it strategically but they wanted to give back. The barriers, though, at that point, and there are still barriers today to people participating in corporate social responsibility, are really threefold. One is uh, Section 280E of the tax code, which prevents uh, companies from taking uh, charitable donations as tax deductions. Uh, it prevents them from paying for some of these activities because they're, they're, they're not cost of goods sold. In other mm-hmm. words, these activities around community engagement and employee engagement really don't impact the cost of growing flour or extractions or or making a product. um, They would be business expenses in any other Mm -hmm. business, but they aren't in cannabis. So people aren't spending money on these activities. Um, Two, with regard to your question about leadership, um, there's still to some degree inexperienced leaders that didn't exactly go to business school and learn what the ROI and corporate responsibility is. You know, they may think that they have an employee turnover issue and they don't realize that employee engagement and corporate responsibility and giving a sense of mission and purpose can actually help with that. And so trying to educate leaders um, that may have come out of the illicit market about the ROI and corporate responsibility has certainly been one of the barriers. And then the third is that um, there are, are still a number of, of NGOs or nonprofit organizations that won't work with cannabis companies mm-hmm. for a variety of reasons. They get federal grants. Um, obviously, being a 501c3, you always run the risk of having that being yanked by the government. Um, there are conservative board members uh, or other Members of an organization that are concerned about how it will look to accept money from cannabis. So there are a number of barriers to prevent corporate responsibility from taking place in the space. That said, um, there are some companies that do engage in corporate responsibility in a variety of ways. Yeah. I mean, I was like, it sounds like there's more barriers than than entry points at this point. That's tough. Well, it is challenging. Um, but the good news is, like I said, I've been chipping away at this for three years now. And I'm starting to gain traction um, because you're starting to get more professional people into the industry from outside of cannabis, Mm -hmm. uh, especially on the East Coast, Mm -hmm. where you have people from consumer packaged goods and food and beverage and um, here in Colorado, even the outdoor industry and uh, pretty experienced um, business people that understand that this is not something that's just bolted onto it or shouldn't just be bolted onto a business. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't just give money to whoever will take it. We need to do something in a strategic way. We need to engage our employees in a much more authentic way. Our mostly millennial workforce that is very purpose-driven and and, and once you get beyond that into Gen Z mm-hmm. um, that are frankly militant about purpose in their workplaces and in the products they buy, you're starting to see the industry to come around on this can create competitive advantage. Mm-hmm. It can attract better talent. It can retain the talent better. Um, you know, in every other industry, the studies that have been done around corporate responsibility find that these businesses actually uh, exceed uh, profits than businesses similarly situated that don't have it. Um, and so, the, this education period is still ongoing in the cannabis space, but it's getting there. It's coming along. Yeah, and I think. I mean.
0: And a lot of what you mentioned sounds like more legal issues that, you know, they're more like the federal level and things like that. And the more, you know, as cannabis legalizes across the nation, other people's viewpoints still have to change. So it sounds like a lot of those issues, are just time issues that it's going to take time to you know, let things kind of shake out on their end. But that's awesome that you're still seeing headway with people just understanding, like, the value of having this in their company and the value of doing this for their employees. So that's awesome.
2: Yeah, well, no one wants to be seen as a bad person community actor, uh, and especially as some of these cannabis companies move into Canada and become national and international cannabis companies, you really can't be an international company in today's world without having a director of corporate social responsibility Mm -hmm. uh, or uh, a director of diversity and inclusion, which Mm -hmm. also falls under the rubric oftentimes of corporate social responsibility, um, simply because um, there's a business imperative for it. Mm -hmm.
1: So, Yeah. Well, and that's interesting, all the people you know coming, coming from corporate America probably understand that moving into cannabis, that you know, that's part of the business that they would have to do as well. Uh, but let's just kind of go back, so let's kind of give listeners what is the essence of corporate social responsibility. I know you know there's some pillars that people look into like social and environmental and economic factors, so what does it mean to have a CSR for your company?
2: Usually, I describe corporate social responsibility as as being an overlap of four areas. Employee engagement, community engagement, uh, strategic philanthropy, and sustainability. Oftentimes, in cannabis, we see sustainability as on its own, Mm -hmm. and it's just something that maybe your grow ops people uh, or manufacturing people are trying to incorporate or your packaging people are trying to incorporate and they don't really see that as corporate responsibility. But typically in the rest of the world, sustainability is seen as part of corporate social responsibility. Also in cannabis, you know, um, employee engagement can just be seen as an HR issue when it's really a bigger issue than that. Um, The other area that corporate responsibility really falls under is, is purpose. Creating a sense of purpose and creating companies that have a purpose. You know, the recent... Cone Communications 2018 report on purpose had indicated that 88% um, of the general public would buy a product from a purpose-driven company and 66% would switch from a product that they typically buy to a new product from a purpose-driven company. Mm-hmm. So That's we incredible. Yeah, no, it's it's fascinating. I could I could s- rattle off stats all the time. I mean, the latest millennial survey says 79% millennials won't go work for a company that doesn't have Social or environmental, um, uh, social or environmental ethos yeah, in the company. So essentially, um, at the end of the day, it boils down to people want to buy from companies that
0: actually care, and they care about maybe them, but maybe they don't have to care necessarily about them, but care about
2: something: the environment, the community, employees. So that's what they're looking for. They're looking for that in their products, and they're looking for that in their workplaces. The work in particular, yeah. millennials and Gen Zers hmm, are looking to work for those companies, and so the companies that start to undertake this in an authentic, strategic, and integrated way are the ones that do this best and succeed, yeah. especially the authenticity, because if it's not strategic yeah. and if it's not integrated into the brand, it's not seen as authentic. And, and frankly, uh, a lot of folks, especially millenni- millennials and Gen Zers, which are also called the change generation, um, will pull back the covers and they will publicly call BS on that, uh, which doesn't help a company right. if, they, if they do half measures with regard to this.
1: Interesting. Huh, so well, what are maybe some examples of some companies that you've been working with or maybe not that you see, you know, have a really good CSR program?
2: Yeah. You know, a few years ago, when I started to get into this space, there was a CEO from a large company who wanted me to do a research project for him and tell him who was doing it the best because they were having some employee turnover issues. And the first company that I found was Bloom Farms in California. Uh, Michael Ray uh, came from a food insecure household when he was growing up. I think the only meal he could count on uh, during the school year was lunch at school. And he felt strongly, uh, Bloom Farms is a a vape pen company for just to simplify things. And um, he felt strongly in creating that company that they wanted to build CSR directly into the company. And so they have a Tom's Shoes model where a one for one, where they, for every vape sold, they donate a meal. And also for one week a month, they Pay an employee to go work in a in a food shelter, hmm. um, and so the employee goes and actually works for a nonprofit, giving out food while being paid by Bloom Farms. They also give their employees additional time off, paid time off, to go work in a nonprofit of their choice. And they just announced during MJ BizCon that um, this is not dealing with food security at all, um, but that fifty percent of their supply chain will all come from women-owned businesses. Uh, so you can tell there that there's an authentic strategic and integrated um, uh, plan to incorporate corporate responsibility right into the brand. Mm-hmm. So much so that they were the very first California company to undergo a voluntary recall this past summer um, once adult use happened in California. Mm-hmm. No one talks about that though because of all this goodwill that they have built through corporate responsibility that's true and authentic. Um, and so they've given away over, I think, 1.5 million meals already. That's but people incredible. don't talk about the bad right. when you're doing so much doing good. good. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really true. I like that.
1: I'm glad that the good is outweighing the bad in that situation. For sure.
2: Well, and we've seen it in other industries as well. Frankly, they're better businesses that have that strategic, integrated, and authentic corporate responsibility built in are better able to weather crisis events.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, what would be a good example in like corporate America?
2: You know, normally I would have said wells fargo um which you know if you read any book about corporate responsibility and mark benioff of salesforce has several of them uh wells fargo was always one that um uh, was held up to a high standard because they had an authentic corporate responsibility program obviously um they've had a hard time bouncing back from the latest trials and tribulations so they would probably go against the grain of where that happens Mm -hmm. um but I'm trying I mean, to think. Hey, of... just, uh, I mean, I still bank with, Wells Fargo. <laughs> well, there you go. So there you go. <laughs> I,
0: I seen all of that. I even said some remarks about it and how ridiculous it was, but
2: Hey, I still trust them. And <laughs> yeah. So you know, it's work. Yeah. You know, here in town, DeVita still has a very good reputation around town. Um, despite, you know, being the centerpiece of a John Oliver story a year ago, uh, about them. They are a, um, uh, uh, something medical. Yeah, is it like plasma or something. No, it's yeah. not plasma. It's when what it happens when your kidneys go. Oh, uh, like a transfusion. Oh, dialysis. Yeah, dialysis. Like dialysis. Exactly. They do. They have dialysis centers all over the world. Yeah. And um, and they had a rash of bad press, but they have a really authentic corporate social responsibility program that is robust and it is integrated. And it is authentic, and they've been able to bounce back despite mm-hmm. those challenges and lawsuits from the federal government yeah so that's an example
0: i read something the other day too it might have been yesterday and, and i i wish i could pin down what it was but it was basically talking about employee retention too and talking about even when things like shake the organization and it was like giving a case study and man i wish i knew more you know and i apologize but essentially there's something bad to happen at the company i think it was like layoffs and furloughs and stuff and they actually realized this company that had an incredible company culture, and I'm assuming that if they had incredible company culture, it's probably something to do with some CSR in there as well. But essentially, the employees started taking care of each other and they basically accepted the layoffs as, hey, this has to happen for us to you know, move on and the company to grow on. And then what happened was the company ended up hiring all those employees back and they ended up paying back pay. And it turned out that almost all the employees came back and even the employees, that when they had to be furloughed, there was people who were like taking places and exchanging money, helping each other. And they realized that they had built a whole company culture of taking care of each other. And even though these workers were getting laid off, they still took care of each other and considered them their own. And and then when the company could bring them back on board, they did so and everybody was still happy. And I thought that's an incredible story because most of the time when you associate furloughs, it's extremely angry people, people losing their jobs, that company's going down the tank, they're never going to make it. And then what are the chances of those employees ever going back to that company they got laid off from? Probably pretty slim. And so when you realize that when you do, do good as a company... It definitely comes back around, and you have employees who are also committed to you and helping you kind of get back up off your feet when you're in a time of need.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, indeed, you know, cannabis is pretty good um, about giving money away uh, and engaging in nonprofits. Uh, I wouldn't say it's the most strategic giving. Uh, oftentimes, it's it's what we call in the CSR world confetti giving, where it's just given, um, whether it's sponsoring a golf event. Um, that doesn't have anything to do with uh, another story uh, or just giving money away in general what um but they do they do at least contribute where I think we fail uh, our workforce is really with the employee engagement and tying it to the community giving and doing things like that like Michael Rea is doing with with Bloom Farms, and mm-hmm. that's giving people time off and paying them mm-hmm. to go volunteer in ways that are in alignment with the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where I think we have a challenge. Sustainability is another challenge I think we have. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. especially yeah. in the cannabis industry. Yeah. Can you yeah. talk yeah.
1: about that a little bit,
2: maybe? Yeah, you know, I sit on the City of Denver's cannabis sustainability work group. I've been a member for a couple of years now, given my environmental law background and uh, you know it's it's hard you know we put out a best management practices guide as well as put on the the annual uh, sustainability symposium and trying to get traction in that space has been challenging and i think one of the challenges is obviously cost led lights and water recycle and treatment systems are are not cheap and doing things with regard to pest management that's not pesticides is not cheap Um, that said there are resources out there and there are ways for people to do it. You know, part of this is you've got, you know, on the grow side, growers that have been growing cannabis the way they've been growing cannabis for 20, 30, 40 years. Mm-hmm. Why should I look at this newfangled $10,000 LED light when I'm using, you know, a, a $200 light? Uh, and so trying to get people to, to see that the ROI on the LED light will pay for itself in a year and a half. And it's worth investing the money now in something that's sustainable, you know, is is certainly a challenge. Or a water recycle system and not just washing everything down the drain, mm-hmm. uh, which isn't good for the environment or for the publicly owned treatment works. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, so, you know, some of this is education. You know, this this nascent industry is really still very young. You know, people ask me what inning we're in if it were a baseball game. And, you know, I usually say top of the second, but I've had people tell me top of the first. Mm-hmm. Um you know, so part of this is just educating people uh, about whether it's growing practices or manufacturing practices, or if it's just general operating practices as a business. Uh, and then you have this very large generational shift taking place right now with millennials coming into very a very purpose-driven generation coming into positions of power and trying to shake things up mm-hmm. and that's rubbing against some baby boomers and gen xers that were trained by baby boomers and so you have this this healthy friction now, i read a statistic the other day that gen z this change generation within four years is going to be 30 percent of the workforce wow. right so if you count them and millennials together you're talking well over 50 60 percent of the workforce we're going to have a dramatic change in the way businesses just do business and the ways that they approach the world Um, and so I'm excited about it I'm excited to be among a very uh, small but growing cadre of people in the cannabis industry trying to change it for good and instigate if you will Mm -hmm. Um, uh, but we still have a long way to go Absolutely, we do
0: yeah and I mean um, I would hope that Colorado since it's kind of the, the state that kind of started it all wrote the legislation wrote the regulations I hope Colorado also leads the way in the CSR and the sustainability movement. So I think Colorado has always been a green state. Um, I think I re- read recently that Colorado is one of the top producers of hemp in the entire nation now. Hemp's about to be legalized. Um, so I would like to see farmers and people who are in the in the industry take hold of the corporate social responsibility movement, especially the sustainability movement. If you're in Colorado, and run with it, and be that industry leader, be the uh, the market leader. You know, be the leader to the world of, you know, how can you do this better, mm-hmm. and the, and the wave of the future. I
2: think. Yeah, I would love to see that too. Um, you know, I'm I'm not sure if we. I think we missed certain opportunities, uh, for sure. Uh, when we did the regulations uh, around grows, I think other states have gotten a little smarter with regard to sustainability, especially mm-hmm. and even corporate responsibility. I mean, this while the city of Denver had that requirement about a community engagement plan, most of Colorado did not. Mm-hmm. Um, while Boulder has the the offset requirement with regard to energy usage. The rest of Colorado does not. Uh, But then when you look at Massachusetts, then you start to see, um, or Pennsylvania even, you start to see requirements around diversity and inclusion. You start Mm -hmm. to see requirements around energy. You start to see requirements around community engagement plans uh, and measurement of those plans for renewal. And so you're starting to see other states learn from some of the, say, shortcomings of the Colorado program. I would love to see Colorado lead as well. But I'm getting the sense that a lot of the leadership is going to start to come from maybe the eastern mm-hmm. states that legalize. One, because of the kinds of people one is competitive licensing, mm-hmm. so you're getting professional mm-hmm. people getting Absolutely. those licenses, you know, from other industries that understand that this is important. Yeah. And number two, you're getting regulatory uh, regimes that require these mm-hmm. these these elements. Mm-hmm. on no, the cost? Really and the lot more money in the east coast i feel like <laughs> yeah i don't you know i don't i, don't, I can't speak to that and, you know the other thing that's that's really on the cutting edge right now is is dealing with social justice issues and how you know this industry was really built on the backs of people of color that went to jail for growing pot and selling pot mm-hmm. and now you're starting to see uh, expungement being built into some of the new programs and licenses that are coming online or getting in competitive licensing then getting um, extra points in the competition for a license if you're going to be setting up shop and hiring people within communities that were disproportionately impacted by the drug war. Mm-hmm. These were not things that Colorado ever considered, but mm-hmm. these are things that are now on the cutting edge of, of cannabis legalization.
1: Well, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad, you know, maybe they're looking at Colorado as like an example of kind of what they didn't do. And now they're trying to fill in the holes and make, you know, a better industry moving forward. So that's cool. I love that.
2: And eventually, I mean, it's going to raise Colorado up too. Because right. Colorado companies are going to have to compete. Once mm-hmm. federal legalization happens, Colorado companies and brands are going to have to compete nationally. Right. Absolutely. And so yeah. we're going to have to step it up as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we're going to edge to enter those markets. You're absolutely right. And compete with those companies in the East
0: Coast at some point uh, compete with the companies in the West coast, you know, like the Bloom farms and, um, you know, Yerba Buena does a great job in loving their stuff. They've been doing light in here in Colorado. We were lucky to see them speak about corporate social responsibility. And I was blown away. I had no clue that light shade right. was, you know, doing as much as they were doing. And it really did kind of even make me feel more of, you know, proud of, of what they were doing and want to go shop there just because, you know, they do take the extra effort into everything they do. They're doing, uh, I can't remember some of their projects and they were picking up trash and doing like community gardens and things like that. And I um, thought, you know, if somebody takes the effort to do that and to care about the community, then uh, it makes me care about them. So it definitely
2: works. Yeah, and Light Shade's special because, I mean, Shannon, um, who's one of the owners and really the... the the co-president, if you will, I forget, I think her title is VP of Marketing Mm -hmm. and Corporate Responsibility, Mm -hmm. came out of corporate America. She was with American Express, so she understands corporate responsibility. So again, it's someone from outside of cannabis Mm -hmm. coming into cannabis, bringing those skills and passions with them and realizing that this is not just a nice-to-have thing or something that's bolted on, but something that should be embedded in the business, and they've done a nice job at, at, at Lightshade doing that.
1: Yeah. No, she's a great example of that. Like she, that's what she did before that in corporate America, and that's how that works. And so she knew coming into cannabis, that's what they needed to do as well to succeed. So that's cool. Um, we definitely support them, and then I know Evo Hemp had a really good story as well at MJ Biz about how they're kind of supporting the Native American tribes and things like that, the uh, Native farmers or some, whatever they're doing. Uh, so that was cool, um, but yeah, it's just interesting to see you know that companies are you know taking this stance and starting to you know bring this into their business model, and I think it's good for a sustainable future.
2: Yeah, I agree, and I think we're also going to start to see. And I know that you had Ben Gelt on a few weeks ago um, with the uh, Cannabis Certification Council. We're going to start to see other companies really play into this organic "quote unquote" certification, mm-hmm. um, which we can't call organic because that's federal at this point. But we have those same standards and you've got companies like um, there's two companies here in Colorado that are clean, green certified uh, legal and and Maggie's Farm. They're the only two dispensaries that are that are clean, green certified, which is basically it takes the FDA organic certification requirements and applies them to cannabis. And those companies need to be reviewed annually. I I know that legal, for example, you know, um, they use LED lighting. They grow everything in soil. They don't use any inorganic pesticides. None of the Clean Green certified companies can use inorganic pesticides. And all those companies need to be reviewed and, and, um, uh, every year. They come in and they inspect them every year from the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Third-party certification. So I think we're going to start to see more products being differentiated based on corporate responsibility values like light shade, uh, uh, sustainability initiatives like Maggie's Farm and, and, um, and legal Mm-hmm. And, uh, and other companies that are doing better because it's going to attract your customers and it's going to attract your workforce.
1: I just had an interesting thought. So what about all these corporate, can- quote unquote, corporate mm-hmm. cannabis companies now that are not doing that? What do you foresee for their future?
2: Well, you know, even the biggest companies here in Colorado are doing something around that. I mean, LiveWell has, LiveWell cares Uh, you know uh, Native Roots is doing some interesting things around sustainability the clinic is doing some interesting things Mm -hmm. around sustainability there's other companies I mean MedMen just advertised a position for director of corporate social responsibility Mm -hmm. and that's a worldwide cannabis company Mm -hmm. so companies are starting to do Mm -hmm. that um, because there's a business imperative to do it you kind of have to have it Um, whether they do it well or authentically still remains to be seen whether they'll match Lightshade or Bloom Farms Mm -hmm. or Yerba Buena, Um, that remains to be seen. Are they going to pay a living wage? Are they really involved in diversity and inclusion? Are they really building around purpose? Are they giving their employees a say? Are their employees happy? Is their turnover rate, you know, like new Belgian brewing companies in the 90% range? Mm -hmm. Or is it like the average cannabis company in the 35 to 45% turnover rate? So those things need to shake out. But I think the business case is being made each and every day. Um, there's a financial bottom line advantage as well as a reputational advantage to doing this.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, is this something that small businesses can be involved in as well? I mean, uh, it's called a corporate social responsibility, but I wouldn't think it's just limited to corporations. No,
2: you know, it's also called corporate citizenship. Um, uh, you know, but, but you're right. You know, I just worked with a, with a very small but growing a CBD company uh, here in Colorado called willpower products. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they've got basically three full-time employees they have two full-time and two part-time. And, uh, they're a protein powder that has CBD in it, uh, created by a former professional athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, and they wanted to build all this in from the get go because they're going to be in market, uh, throughout Colorado come February and throughout the country come April. Mm-hmm. Um, and if things go their way, they're going to be in every health club and gym and natural grocery store and, mm-hmm. and market you know, in the next couple of years. And so they wanted to build in this purpose early on. so I get to work with the executive team to try to draw out what would be an authentic responsibility program or citizenship yes. yeah. program. Um, developing who they are as people, what they stand for, what their values are, what their mission is, what their vision for the world is. They're like way um, ahead of the game. Yeah. Right. That's right. what's been focused. Yeah. Right. And then yeah. then when that protein powder is sitting on the shelf next to some other protein powder, We're which one pick that. Right, who's what are you going to buy? Mhm.
1: Yep. No, I'm glad to see that. We we also had Will on the show. So if nobody's seen, check that episode out. That's another good one,
2: <laughs> right? And and the other thing is, and this just plays in again to this Cone two thousand eighteen report on purpose that eighty eight percent would buy a product from a purpose. Well, I already talked about that one, but that that brand devotees are willing to try products in different categories from their favorite purpose driven company, hmm. while new consumers are willing to test out products for the first time if it's from a purpose driven company. Mm-hmm. So um, seventy seven percent of people surveyed feel stronger a stronger emotional connection to purpose-driven companies over traditional companies, 79% say they're more loyal, and 73% uh, say they're willing to defend that company um, if somebody spoke poorly about it, and they're willing to pay more money for those products. Mm. So the cost doesn't really matter then because they can raise the cost and people still pay it. People will pay for... that cost. It's it's like uh, if you walk in... I mean, if you walk into a store here and, and you see New Belgium sitting next to Coors Light, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people will buy the New Belgium because they know there's something behind it or the Toms of Maine mm-hmm. or the Burt's Bees over Chapstick mm-hmm. or the yeah. Patagonia jacket over... You know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Patagonia is a great company. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and they're authentic. They do everything right, and they're known for their environmental activism and, and sustainability. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what they're known for. That that is talking when I talk about a um, when it's strategic and integrated and authentic corporate responsibility. Patagonia is a perfect example. They're mm-hmm. one I talk about all the time.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, and especially I mean with new markets,
0: new consumers. It would kind of behoove these cannabis companies to then take that on, you know, especially with those quotes you just read, you know, if right. 77% of consumers or new consumers are going towards a product that's, you know, consumer, you know, socially responsible, then why not? Why not at least have it in your game plan? Why not at least, you know, like, willpower, start riding the road, you know, the roadmap now. You can't do it all. You can surely start. You can like build it into your framework, and then fill it out when you have time or the money, or the resources.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, and then the other thing I would say about it is, let's face it, cannabis has a stigma attached to it. And when mm-hmm. we're moving into places like Oklahoma or Utah, we need to win over people mm-hmm. that we're not drug dealers. That yeah. this is a uh, this is a healthy product. It it helps with a wide variety of medical issues, um, whether they be relatively benign like sleeplessness and insomnia, to Cancer and appetite suppression. Um, You know, we need every tool in our toolbox to win over the American public in Middle America, uh, or even on the coasts where you've got conservative people that are like, "This is the demon weed." Mm -hmm. Um, And so, by having companies that are more conscious, aligned with this very conscious product, I think is critical for us winning in the in the court of public opinion. Mm -hmm. I absolutely agree with that. Yeah, Yeah, that's huge.
1: All right. Well, geez, this was super interesting. I'm glad that we got to finally sit down and talk about this. I think CSR is very important. I think people should be aware of it now. And this is good for consumers to understand, you know, that people are doing this. Companies are doing this. So you have to start asking, you know, where are you? It goes back to what's in your weed and like where are these products coming from? So the questions need to be asked and we need to be aware of it in order to ask these types of questions. So this is really good. Um, if you are in you know, Colorado, Lightshade obviously has a great cor- corporate responsibility, uh, legal, and Yerba Bueno in uh, Oregon has great CSR as well. So great things going on across the United States. Hopefully it continues more and more and it turns into the norm.
2: We can only hope so. <laughs> right. No, I, again, I think there's a business imperative for it, and I think it will continue to grow, and I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, you know, I totally agree
0: with everything Lucy said and I appreciate having you on Mark because I do think this is an important uh, topic to shed light on and I I do hope people out there listening look more into this. uh, Find out if your favorite companies are participating in any kind of programs. If not, maybe nudge them a little bit, maybe mention it to your bud tender, you know, the next rep that you come across, and maybe, hey, what are you guys doing as far as, you know, volunteering? What are you doing for your community? What are you doing for your employees? Things like that. Um, And then two, if you are a company listening, be sure to, to uh, make sure to reach out to Mark. You know, he's definitely the, uh, the industry leader in Colorado and across the nation as far as I'm concerned, especially in the cannabis arena. Um, so, you, you know, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to him. How can they find you,
2: Mark? Um, that's very kind of you to say, first mm-hmm. of all. Thank you. <laughs> um, they can reach me at Mark, M-A-R-C, at Needle, N-E-E-D-L-E consultants.com as in moving the needle uh, which we like to do we, we want to move the needle with regard to corporate responsibility create a better world and that's uh, that's how you can find me
1: yeah yeah and check him out on like LinkedIn and Twitter he offers a really lots of interesting articles on employment issues and CSR and things like that so definitely check it out if you're more interested in this topic hit us up or hit mark us up and let him know um, but with that I'm Lit I'm Lucid and that's it
0: and Laters this episode of Lit and Lucid Podcast is produced in partnership with Yuhu Creative and Design.
1: YouHoo Creative specializes in marketing, social media management, content creation, and other creative needs.
0: YouHoo, helping your company become who you need to be.
1: If you're interested in learning more, hit us up at Creative at gmail.com.